Welcome folks to another episode of That's Anita Live, the talk show dedicated to providing emotional healing to help you create a happier life. This week we're talking how to access mental health services. My guest is Alicia Dalton, COO of QCI Behavioral, a comprehensive behavioral health solution. As the COO, Alicia serves the community by creating programs and policies to help clients connect to those mental health services. Welcome Alicia to the show. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm awesome. So tell me, let's walk through somebody attempting to access services. Okay. So what are the different ways? So there's a lot of different ways a person can access services. Anyone can generate a referral. It could be a family member, okay. a hospital, the court system, uh, the jail. Anyone can re um, you know, generate a referral. So they complete the referral form, fax it to our office, and immediately our team begins to process that referral form, getting authorization, and then we call the patient to schedule that first appointment. Wow, okay, so, because I interviewed in a previous episode um, a young lady who grew up with a mom that had mental health mm -hmm. issues, but she said it, she found it very difficult to seek help because her mom was, at the time, may not have been in crisis. Like she may have been happen, uh, having a schizophrenic episode, but because she wasn't homicidal or suicidal, if she found it very difficult to get services. Is that a, a challenge for? It can be, but we try to eliminate that challenge by making it easy to access services. So it really is as simple as filling out a form, faxing it to our office. You can hand deliver the form. We accept it however you feel okay. you know, comfortable. And we process it immediately within that first uh, business day. Okay, so let's say somebody has, however, emailed, faxed, dropped the form off, mm -hmm. and the patient denies services. Like you call and they're like, I don't know what that's about. That happens. <laughs> and so when that happens, we just you know kindly explain what our services are, okay. and they can accept or deny it, but we always leave it open for the person to call back if they're interested. But we don't force a person to participate in services. Okay, so they deny it, that's a dead end, that's over. But, so now, let's say the person says, yes, I am in crisis, I do need help. So we are not a crisis facility. Okay. If a person is in crisis, we immediately ask them to call 911 or we call them 911 for them. Okay. Um, but we are a traditional outpatient services where a person can come in and see their psychiatrist, therapist, counselor as needed. And then we also have a, additional services that they can um, participate in. But based upon the assessment, mm -hmm that will determine what level of care they'll participate I was going to say, so in. let's break that down because okay. let's define what crisis means. Crisis, it means that you need immediate help and we can't provide that. That means you need to go to the emergency room. So if someone is having, say, a manic episode in bipolar and their family is just like a cat on the roof, we can't handle this? No. We immediately ask them to call 911. Okay. But if it's someone that says, um, I'm... I'm I'm having off and on anxiety and I'm not quite sure on what I need to manage it. Mm -hmm. Can I see a psychiatrist within the next couple of days? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And that's when they, they themselves will fill out the referral form or a family member, mm -hmm. hospital, clergy, anyone can fill out the referral form for them. And then we call them, set up the appointment, and we go from there. Appointment day. 
What is the first face they see? They see our lovely front desk administrator and, um, you know, they check them in okay. and then they get them prepared, give them all their releases of information and get them ready to see their therapist. How, how important is that, that front desk meeting when someone first you know, walks in? The front desk meeting is probably more important than actually the therapy service, okay. you know. <laughs> Um, it takes a lot for a person to walk through that door. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always encouraging my staff to put the smile on, put your heart of service on so that that patient can feel it and know that it's a safe place, you know, for their new beginning. What, what would you call that when someone first walks in? Are they just checking in or is that a form of customer service? That is customer service to, that's it, that's <laughs> customer service. That's the first, okay. it takes so much for a person to walk through that door. So I want it to be welcoming, inviting, safe, and I want that person to say, oh, okay, I'm here, this is the first step. I want them to be excited, yeah. you know, about seeking services, about helping themselves create a better quality of life. And so that first phone call, that first initial contact with our front desk administrator mm -hmm. is key. Now, being the COO, have you ever had to impress upon an employee how important that customer service is? I do it every day. Because <laughs> I always say that, you know, we have an internal customer okay. and we have an external customer. Okay. Both are very important. You know, as the COO, I'm customer service too. I have to help my community support specialists, my therapists, my doctors, my nurse practitioners. I'm providing service for all my peers that I work for. So that's a customer service in itself, but also we provide service to that patient who is finally, you know, having the courage to come in too. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's kind of full circle. It's not just that patient, it's the customer that's inside of our office that we work with every day. That is so important. I think we forget that because you go through day to day and, mm -hmm. you know, people say it's a burnout, you know, mm -hmm. field of work, but I don't want it to be that. I want you to put on your heart of service and think about, helping someone. If you, if you put that on every day, I think it makes for a better experience at QCI. Have you ever had a bad fit? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> I always tell people, you know, if you don't have that heart of service, and I know I'm probably going to say that uh. word a thousand times, but if you don't have that, then this is really not the field for you. You think the complete field or just that front desk? The field. Really? Absolutely. Because so many clients, patients say that when they meet, whether it's a psychiatrist or uh, an ENT, that they're, they used to call it bedside manner. Yeah. Now they call it customer service. Yeah. It's so rough or, and I hear that especially from cancer patients, mm -hmm. people that are survivors of cancer, mm. that the first time that they were told they have cancer, the doctor was so cold to yeah. them. That's the burnout I'm talking about. We have to make sure that we don't exude that burnout. I used to have a supervisor, and I'll never forget this. She told me every single day at 5 o'clock when her day ended, she would go to the bathroom, wash her hands of the day, and just rid the day of all the baggage and all the problems that the patients had. Because if you don't do that, then here comes 9 a.m. the next morning, and you're like, <laughs> you know, to, the, to, your, to your team, right? right? Right. So I just, I always carried that with me because I thought it was so important. And she literally, physically, even if she didn't have to go to the bathroom, mm -hmm. 
She would go wash her hands of the day. And that's so important to prevent that burnout. Uh, yeah, to keep it going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay, so then what's the average wait time? Once they get there, they check in, they've met with the bright smile and the warm, <laughs> the open warm heart of gold that they've, at the customer service desk. Yeah. Average wait times. 10 minutes tops. We don't really have our patients waiting too long. Okay, so yeah. it sounds like you're running a well-oiled machine over there. <laughs> we try, we try, yeah. Um, then they get back to the therapist or the counselor, mm -hmm. and what's that relationship like at QCI? Like what is the mission of QCI in that type of relationship? So really our mission is to provide a person-centered environment, you know. So, you know, treatment is not a cookie cutter thing. It's based upon what the needs are uh, yeah, of that client. Yeah. So we established that in the first appointment. We try to build that relationship in that 90 minute appointment. It's a long appointment, but they ask lots of questions in order to build the proper treatment plan for that person too, so that they can finally have success in walking this journey out with their behavioral health or mental health problem. What is the, I guess, most acute problem you've seen a therapist have to handle? I don't know. We we service, you know, chronic, mentally health, mental, you know, mental health challenges. So it could be anything. And Schizophrenia, locations bipolar. all over. We do. The we have um, we have a location in Largo, Maryland, mm -hmm. White Plains, Maryland, mm -hmm. and Hagerstown, Maryland. So there's nothing that comes to mind that especially I remember that or that touched me or I can't believe that happened. Oh gosh, there's a lot of different <laughs> things that happen. <laughs> no. Uh, most recently, um, this, this grandmother came in to help her granddaughter, you know, seek services. She okay. just couldn't navigate the system on her own. So she came in to help her and it was time to fill out the paperwork and make sure that they had all their packet ready to see the therapist. Mm -hmm. And the patient was so agitated and we couldn't figure out if she really wanted to be there, if it was mostly the grandma that wanted her to be there. Mm -hmm. And she just literally got up and threw a whole tree, the whole, you know, decorations that we had there. And she threw it at her grandmother. And we said, okay, maybe she's not ready. Whoa. And so we offered her a chance to maybe reschedule. A potted plant. A potted plant, she threw it at her. Little grandma, just trying to help. But that happens. And you know, it happens at home, it happens in the office, and we just have to deal with it, you know? But we don't make people participate in treatment. And at that point, we had to mm -hmm. decide, mm -hmm. she's not ready. How old was she? Probably in her 20s, early 20s. And she couldn't, she didn't verbalize any of that before? Mm -mm, she's very angry. Very angry and just didn't want to be there. So we don't know if she was forced to come in, mm -hmm. but we just don't do that, mm -hmm. you know? We, we want the person to be ready to accept the treatment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then it could be something to where when she and the grandmother talked about it, it mm -hmm. was okay. Yeah. But then the closer she got to it, she got nervous. It could have been didn't anything. know how to handle yes. all of it. Yeah, it could have been a whole bunch of things. Yes. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. at any given time, you all have to be ready to just... We, we need to be ready for whatever happens. <laughs> <laughs> and keep that customer service going. That's key. That's always key. I mean, 
I think we have the skills and the skill set and the therapy. Okay, because over here it's starting to sound a little impossible. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I think the therapy part, okay. the part is okay. Right. We have that skill set. I think people lose the customer service because it's it's almost robotic. You check the patient in, you got your appointment, you know, okay. and then you do this every day, day in, day out. It becomes almost a robotic thing. Routine. But we need to, you know, stop, pause, and think about what we're doing. This is someone's grandmother. This is someone's mother, aunt, son, mm -hmm. niece mm -hmm. that needs help. So it's a tangible person right here in front of us that needs our help. And so if we get to that point and like I say, be clothed in service, right, right. then that person can you know, have a, a way to begin their journey properly. And you've done this for 20 years. Yes. Wow. Yes, I started out in substance abuse and I saw lots of different things in substance abuse. Yes. Um, and then I just, you know, kind of migrated into, um, you know, the behavioral health field, uh, mental health in particular. But I worked in tobacco cessation, I worked with family and children, and, you know, most recently, mental health. Any one in particular that you have a passion for or you like more than the other? So, you know, I came out of the substance abuse because I thought I was done, you know? Mm -hmm. But the more I think about it, I, I think that I will eventually end up back in substance abuse. What is it about it that is attracting to you? You know, I saw, even, you know, you hear all these stories about how, you know, you have to keep trying, you go to treatment mm -hmm. 10, 20,000 times, mm -hmm. but the two or the one or the five people that you see make it, it makes just a difference, you know. I've seen people, you know, establish, reestablish relationship with their family, get a job, um, you know, just really make work the steps and the treatment works for them. That is so rewarding. I can imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine in 20 years working in substance abuse, mental health, mm -hmm. tobacco, what you've seen. Yeah. I've seen from highs and lows. I've seen someone literally die at my feet and I've seen someone reestablish a relationship with their mom or their children, you know, reunification with their family. So, you know, to watch it really work, mm -hmm. that's, that's the, the thing for me. How did you handle the situation with a person passed away right there in front of you? Prayer. It was a lot of, um, wow, I actually saw that, you know? So paint that picture for me. Was it in a hospital? Was <laughs> it in a treatment facility? So it actually happened um, at the, I used to work at the Detroit Health Department, and my team in said- In the D! Yes, in Girl, the D, in the D, serious? I worked in the D. And can I tell you, it was so rewarding to work at the Detroit Health Department. We helped thousands yeah. of patients get to yes, you do. detox, mm -hmm. intensive outpatient, mm -hmm. outpatient residential. So we, we were able to send you know patients to any level of care that they required, methadone. But this particular day, my staff came and said, you gotta come outside. And I said, why? You know, right. I said, you just need to come. And literally a half a block away, they said, just walk down. And I walked down and I saw one of our friends, you know, who had been a frequent flyer person mm -hmm. come in to get treatment mm -hmm. um 
he, he had to use one last time before he went into treatment and he just laid there and he overdosed. And it was mm -hmm. just heart-wrenching. Mm -hmm. I really almost couldn't believe it was happening before my eyes. Mm -hmm. And so the ambulance came, you know, tried to work on him. And when the ambulance didn't pull off right away, I knew he was gone. Mm -hmm. Because usually they'll, they'll yeah, leave right away. Right, and the hospital dash. was like two more blocks away. Right. They didn't do that and I knew he was gone. And this was someone who we had serviced multiple times. Mm -hmm. You just gotta keep trying it. And he, he was trying, but he just, he just didn't make it. Because right now, I read a lot of stories about the opioid crisis mm -hmm. and librarians having to learn how to administer help for people that are in a drug overdose mm -hmm. because it is the library, the park, these places where they go to hang out, mm -hmm. use, because you know, the, the library isn't really frequented during the day. Yeah. So it's some place where they can go to find a quiet spot. Mm -hmm. You know, this level of work is everyone's responsibility. That's why I love the initiatives to become trained to recognize the signs of depression, suicidal ideations. Um, it's sad that it's come to our little librarians, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but I love the initiative of the awareness, erasing that stigma, because mental health matters. Because it really I, does. I would think that it would, well, I would have thought it was something I would have left with first responders. But to read mm -hmm. about the librarians, it's everyone's that are, responsibility. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is. We'll be right back to break down the services that QCI offers and what some of those techniques and tactics are that you should recognize for people with mental health issues. What if I told you that you could stop the negative tape from playing inside your head? What if with seven simple steps, you could leave the pain of the past behind and live every day as your true authentic self? It is possible, and you can do it. The ebook, Seven Simple Steps to Beat Emotional Baggage How to Become Whole, Healed, Healthy, and Happy, shares how to resolve emotional baggage. And feel free to live true to your own personality, spirit, and character. Transform negative thinking into positive thinking and become equipped to boldly face your past and resolve emotional pain. Get your free copy at thatanitalive.com slash ebook. And we're back, discussion with Alicia Dalton Services, how to access mental health services in the community. You create programs and policies. Yes. So what are some of the programs that you've created at QCI to help clients connect to the services that they need? Well, it's a team effort, um, but we do have traditional outpatient services where okay. a patient can come in and see their therapist, there's psychiatrist, nurse practitioner mm -hmm. for individual sessions or medication management. We have group therapy, but we also have mobile treatment services where oh. there's a multidisciplinary team that provides uh, services for a patient. And on that team you have a nurse, mm -hmm. a therapist, a community support specialist, and a psychiatrist or nurse practitioner that helps the person in their natural environment. So we have nurses that go out to the home, it, it could be a shelter, it could be anywhere. Um, the person's natural environment to provide 
therapeutic services for the patient. And, and then we've we got provide... to love your jobs. <laughs> we going into these homes. Yes. And these shelters. Yes. Yes. We've even gone out into the woods. If a patient says I'm camped out at, you know, Watkins Park for two weeks, then the therapist goes out to provide counseling services. The nurse will go out to provide that injection. The community support specialist will go out to take them to Safeway to get food. So, and then we provide transportation for the patient to come in to the office to see their psychiatrist. Because there's a lot of tent cities here in the D.C. area. It is, and I learned are, that in this area, like, wow. We are living in tent cities in the D.C. area. See, is what we call areas where the homeless have collected and they are camped out in tents, literally. Like, mm -hmm. literal pitching a tent. Um, yeah. A lot of them, I learned, are... They're homeless, but they're the working poor. Mm -hmm. And where they, they get up and they have jobs that they go to every yes. day, but they can't afford the housing that's here in the area. Yes, or their mental health you know, concerns are so vast that they just want to be homeless. They don't know that they actually have income and they okay. can get a room or you know, apartment, mm -hmm. a studio apartment or something, you know, but they just want to be homeless at the time. Mobile units mm -hmm. that are fully staffed mm -hmm. that go out into the community. Yep. Listening to the programs that you just rattled off and thinking about the epidemics that we have going on, what are we missing? Because it sounds like absolutely everything is available to help somebody beat their drug habit or beat their addiction. What are we missing? This is probably going to sound terrible, but more awareness. We need to continue to bring forth awareness. Oh. Um, you hear the mental health matters or yes. erasing the stigma. Yes. We have to keep doing that so that people can understand there's help. We even help people who are uninsured. And people think that this is, it's just a lost cause if they don't have insurance. Right. No, it's not. You can come to QCI and we will help you access the services, even if you don't have insurance. Okay, I gotta keep digging, because it's starting to sound too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so you help somebody with their mental management, whatever their mental health needs are. Mm -hmm. Say they need help getting on their feet and they'd like to get a apartment. Is that, so is that something that is included under the QCI umbrella? Yes, ma'am. Girl, you better stop. All right, go we ahead. We have a housing director and a, ho a homeless and outreach path program mm -hmm. where we help individuals seek employment, get disability, get food stamps, go to clothing closets, go to food closets. And we even have a small closet in our office with food for patients that come in. So what are some of the trips the trigger, not triggers, what are some of the trip ups where you've seen people do well for a while mm -hmm. and then, what is it, fall off the wagon, get addicted again? Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that may cause that to happen? It could be a number of environmental factors, mm -hmm. um, but it could be just something as small as you keep missing appointments. You keep, you know, no show, okay. no call. Okay. You don't keep your appointments. And then once you do that, and it's a cycle of it, 
then you kind of find yourself migrating back into the old things. Not taking your medication, that's huge. Okay. Uh, that's why I'm a big proponent of the injectable medications that they have for patients that just really can't do it on their own. Okay. Um, I've seen huge success with those. And, and we have nurses that go out and provide those injectable medications and you watch the patient just blossom. So when you say injectable medications, mm -hmm. you're talking about the same way some of us think about insulin. Yes. And where it's a, and it's only administered by a nurse. Mm -hmm. What types of drugs or what types of mental health issues would something like that be prescribed for? Probably someone with, you know, bipolar or schizophrenia, okay. some chronic mental health issue that is preventing them from, you know, moving through life like we do. A getting normal up, health pattern. Taking yeah, a shower, yeah. eating, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you got everything under one roof over there. Just about. I'm still working on a few things. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want a primary care doc on staff. I want a dentist on staff. I want a one-stop shop. So a patient can come in and say, oh, goodness, I haven't seen a doctor in five years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Dr. So-and-so is right here to do my physical. You know, I haven't had my teeth cleaned in 17 years. Well, I got a dentist right here for you. <laughs> That's what I want. That's my vision for QCI. So you aren't going to stop with just traditional services. No, you, have a, you have a vision that you are, are blossoming. I'm constantly thinking about new ways to make it easier to access care. We even have um, lab on site. So if a patient needs lab work, go right down the hall, get your lab work. So what are, <laughs> what are some of, like pick a mental health illness mm -hmm. and then give me two or three ways some, somebody could be more aware, whether it's the person in the cube next to them or the person they pass on the street every day, what is it that? So for me, it's, it's simple. Okay. Talk to people, say hello, mm. engage, get off of your phone, <laughs> texting. Yes. You know? Yes. Talk to people. And then you're able to realize that, you know, someone may be having an issue. You know? If you see someone that's kind of with a flat affect, you know, don't really want to talk, they're just, you know, in the cubicle, mm -hmm. reach out to them. Talk to people. Simple. Talking to people really will reveal what a person needs. It's a simple conversation. Get to know people. That person that you passed that's sitting on the train steps as you go back and forth mm -hmm. to the metro. Yeah, every day. I've mm -hmm. slipped my car to plenty of people. There's help out there. It's you don't have to sit here. Of, yeah, it's just mm -hmm. a matter of getting up, getting out, and getting it. Yes. Simple. We need to get back to that. Because it, being more neighborly. Because mm -hmm. there is one gentleman that uh, he's, he's usually on the steps at LaFont Plaza. Okay. And, you know, I treat him regular. Speak to him all the time. Mm -hmm. He recognizes me because one day he wasn't at LaFont and I saw him at uh, Pentagon City Mall. Oh, okay. And he recognized me before I even saw him. Oh, my goodness. And See? spoke, right. Yeah. So I said, uh... I said, uh, why don't you just go home and apologize to that woman so she'll let you back in the house? <laughs> said, I love it. How you know my business? She don't know my business. I said, I bet I know more than you think I do. I sit down on, on the curb. Yeah, yeah. And, and 
it's amazing how people would pass and look like, oh my God, why is she talking to him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There before the grace of God. Yes. There is more, as you can see, the 20 years Alicia has spent bringing serenity to the life of the community has fueled her passion to serve. If you'd like to reach out to Alicia, find her on Instagram at QCI Behavioral. Seeking assistance to help you manage the struggles of life is nothing to be ashamed of. Help is available. If you are currently in crisis, you can call the National Suicide or the National Crisis Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Because we know sometimes you don't want to be fixed, you just want to be heard. Be sure to check out thatsanitalive.com for where and when to see our next episode.